Bury Aftercare, the podcast. This is episode number 10, your relationship with food. Would it surprise you to hear that up to 50% of Americans have a disordered relationship with exercise, their body, and with food? These research findings indicate that a whole lot of us have what I would call a less than positive relationship with food. And that should come as no surprise. In today's episode, we'll explore what it means to have a relationship with food, how your unique relationship with food developed, and what that relationship might reveal in terms of underlying issues that you may need to address before you can have a truly healthy relationship with food. At the end of this episode, I have a suggestion that has helped many of the people with whom I work discover some very interesting things, not only about their relationship with food, but about other relationships in their lives as well. Listen and see what you can discover about yourself. I'm your host, Dr. Connie Stapleton. Be sure to check out the entire Berry Aftercare program for successful post-op living at www.berryaftercare.com. Now let's get on with this fascinating topic. Oh, hello, and welcome to Berry Aftercare, the podcast, or Berry Aftercare Live, wherever you might happen to be listening or watching this. The reason I say Berry Aftercare, the podcast, and Berry Aftercare Live is because the podcast is actually a part of my Berry Aftercare program. And the Berry Aftercare program has two live sessions a week. So I'm just trying to clarify there. And if you want to be part of the entire Berry Aftercare program, please look it up at www.berryaftercare.com. Well, let's start with this little interesting factoid from the National Eating Disorder Association, who says that studies suggest that up to 50% of Americans have a disordered relationship with exercise, their body, and food. That's half the country. That's a lot of people. And I'm guessing that includes you and me, at least it includes me. And I can only speak for myself. So what does disordered relationship with exercise, body and food mean? And what does that have to do with the topic for today, which is your relationship with food? Well, you know, when people think of eating disorders, they typically think of things like anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, bulimorexia, which means you binge and maybe purge, maybe not, but you binge and then also starve yourself. So there's a whole continuum and a whole bunch of, you know, different versions of eating disorders. But that doesn't mean that you have to have a specific technical eating disorder to have disordered eating, right? (laughs) And we'll go into that more, but the reality is that apparently half the people in our country have disordered relationships with food, eating, exercise, their body. And that's what we're going to talk about today because 
One of the things that is important in your journey through this weight loss process is that you learn to have an improved relationship. We're not going to say good. We're not going to say bad. And maybe even the words healthy and unhealthy are terms that smack of judgment to you. We're not going to judge anything. We're not going to say this is a good way to have a relationship or a bad way to have a relationship with food. And if you don't like healthy or unhealthy, but let's just say one that's working for you in terms of getting to you to where you want to be. And for purposes of this program, I'm just going to assume that where you want to be is living at a healthy, at a healthy weight for your body. That doesn't mean the weight on the wall, on the chart, in the doctor's office. That doesn't necessarily equate to a healthy weight for your body. But I'm just going to, I'm going to think. And I could be wrong. So, you know, if it doesn't fit for you, just ignore me. But most of us want to be a healthy weight, healthy enough to do the things that we want to do in life. We're looking for, a, you know, our good life. We want to be living our best life, as they say. We want to be able to do the things we want to do. So for a lot of us, that means having a, a body and a weight that's healthy enough to do those sorts of things. So what is this unhealthy relationship with food and weight and body? Well, it consists of a lot of things, right? It consists of the way we think about our bodies when we think of them. It consists of the way we think about exercise and our attitude in relation to exercise. And, you know, whether we have a love-hate relationship with exercise or a just-ain't-gonna-do-it relationship with exercise, you know, what is this issue we have with exercise, our bodies and foods. And it comes from all over, right? It comes from social media. It comes from television. It comes from advertising. It comes from our families. It comes from inside of our own head. It comes from our peers. You know, no wonder half people in the country struggle with, with this topic. So what's an unhealthy or a healthier relationship with food look like? Again, it's going to be individual. So you figure it out for yourself. But according to like the National um, Institute for National Eating Disorder Association and some of those, it's like at this point in your journey, if you've had weight loss surgery, if you're thinking about having weight loss surgery, or if you've just been on a lot of diets, done the yo-yo diet thing, you probably have developed some rigid rules. We've talked about being on the program or being off the program, the black and white thinking all in or all out. You know, you've probably had a lot of restrictions placed on yourself, whether it's by yourself or maybe a parent or caregiver when you were younger, or maybe by whatever diet plan you have to be on. You you can only eat at these times. You can only eat these specific foods. Make sure your foods are only this size your portion sizes, right? So if there are really rigid rules associated with eating, which is intended by nature to be both pleasurable and serve a physiological role for our body, having those kind of rigid rules kind of takes some of that out of us out of it for us, right? It's, it doesn't become a natural way to live our lives. It becomes this this rigid thing where we get preoccupied. And that's another thing. If you're living a life that is really preoccupied with food, with calories, with grams, with recipes, 
with Food Network, with cooking shows, with all of those things. Is that imbalance in your life? I can't answer that for you, but I really want you to question that because for the most part, when our lives are healthiest, and I don't mean just physiologically, but I mean spiritually, emotionally, in relation to other people, things are in balance. So if we spend too much time doing anything, whether it's, <laughs> um, you know, whether it's cooking or whether it's exercising or whether it's, you know, being on social media, if it's crocheting, if it's reading healthy books, you know, if we're doing anything to the extent that we're neglecting other areas that are critical to our lives, then it may be imbalanced, right? So again, that's up for you to decide. There's nothing wrong with most things in moderation, right? But if they start to interfere in your relationships with other human beings, or you're neglecting work or school or your family or the most important relationships you have, then it could be out of balance. So that's something to think about because if your relationship with food or your body image or, you know, your exercise program is out of balance, then it's probably out of balance and it's not the healthiest it could be, right? Or if you are a binge eater, right? Binge eating. And again, people have some misconceptions about what binge eating really is. You know, they think that, well, you know, and it can be different for different people again. But typically when we talk about binge eating, there's a frenetic, really frenzied kind of like a rush a rushed behavior, like you're moving really quickly. You're not really stopping to think, gee, I wonder what would be good. I think I'll try that. It's like shoveling food into your mouth without even really tasting it. And there's usually a lot of guilt and shame following a binge. Now that can happen. The, the guilt and the shame, even if you're not really binging, right? Because some of us have developed a relationship with food. If we eat anything that's off the rigid diet plan, then we feel guilt. Or maybe to a further extreme, people like me, when I was in my absolute worst struggles with food and eating, and that relationship was really off kilter, I felt guilty if I ate anything. <laughs> And I do mean anything. I would feel guilty if I ate a hard-boiled egg. So, you know, your, your relationship with food can be on quite a continuum. And there's, there's no rights or wrongs or anything here. I'm just, you know, encouraging you to look at all of these things. So if you feel guilty about eating or if you are totally preoccupied with food or you're completely obsessed with the scale and what it says, and if you judge your worthiness as a human being based on the number of the scale or if you allow, you know, of course, if somebody says something to you about your weight one way or another, it kind of stings a little bit. But if you allow that to really carry you off the deep end, right? And it's not just something that you sting and you process and, and get over. But if it just weighs on you, if, you're, if your relationship with food is primary in your life, it's probably way imbalanced. And so it's important that we take a really good look at this relationship with food and decide, 
Is this something I'm okay with the way it is? Or is this something that I would like to put some effort, like the four aces, right? The E word effort. Do I want to put some effort into changing? So in addition, I want to talk a little bit more about what a an imbalanced or unhealthy relationship with food might have as aspects to that. So if you feel really out of control when you're eating, and I struggle with this a little bit, right? If I find, you know, if I, if it's, if it's a holiday or like Thanksgiving or, or if there is, you know, a family gathering and there are a few desserts around or whatever it is, I tend to feel a little bit out of control when I start eating even if it's just a little of this or a little of that, I give food a lot of power in my brain. Like, oh my God, this could overtake me, right? This could, this could be a really bad thing. And maybe I won't be able to stop. And I think that's true for a lot of people who have struggled with issues related to food over the years. Now, back in the day, 35 years ago, my control with food looked very different. It's not, oh my God. I don't know if I'll be able to stop eating this sugary dessert, but it was control in the sense of I'm not putting a bite of food in my mouth except for maybe 500 calories so that I can continue to exist. So control with food can look very different to different people. But I would ask you to consider, does your relationship with food, does your eating feel out of control to you? Do you get anxious when you eat? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel scared? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel ashamed when you eat? You know, struggles with food in that way plays out in our lives, right? It plays out into our other relationships. It's not just, yeah, I struggle with this food and that's the extent of it. Because if we're struggling like that, we're probably hyper-focused on this relationship with food. And so we may be snippy with other people. If I'm feeling bad or guilty or ashamed because I just ate things I deem in my mind to be bad, or if I feel guilty because I just ate something that has oh more calories than God forbid I'm allowed to have in a day, then I'm not feeling so good about myself. And that carries over to maybe snapping at the kids or maybe, you know, giving in to any requests that they have because I'm feeling bad and I don't want to deal with it or snapping at my husband or being unavailable because I'm preoccupied in my head. You know what I'm talking about if you've lived there, right? All right. So imbalance is imbalance and we need to address all of that. And I want to emphasize. And I emphasize this a lot when it comes to bariatric care and weight loss surgery or weight loss from any other means, that if your goal is a number, if your goal is to get to a specific weight, it's probably not a complete goal. I'm not saying that there's wrong anything wrong with a goal weight necessarily. There can be, and that's a talk for another day, but not necessarily but think about it in the past. I talked to a woman just a little bit ago and she said that she, you know, when she sets a goal with her weight, she gets to it and, you know, she, she's happy. Like it's either for, you know, a, an outfit for a party she was going to, which was one of the examples she used. Another one was for being in her wedding dress and she would always reach her goal weight, but then she would forget about it. So 
a goal weight could be part of it. But I'm hoping that you will look in the long view and look at the fact that living at a healthy weight over time, maybe the rest of your life, by having a healthy lifestyle is a more comprehensive and broader goal. Because if it's just to lose the weight, you've probably done that in the past, right? You don't want to just have weight loss surgery, get to a goal weight, and then forget about it. I hope. Again, that's up to you. So it's not necessarily just enough to have that weight loss goal. But if there are struggles that interfere with your ability to keep that weight off, that's what Aftercare is all about. It's like, what's the deal? that I'm not able to sustain those got to dooms and I'm not able to continue on with a healthy weight. Why do I always gain it back? So if there are, and I'm not saying you have them, but I know that I sure as heck do. And I've struggled with these weight issues all of my life and these head issues more specifically. But we got to look at those things. Where did they come from? What do they mean? How is this playing out in my adult life? So we got to embark on this journey of guess what? Awareness. And is awareness not one of the four aces? It absolutely is. Because unless we explore this relationship with food, unless we become aware of where this relationship and this attitude and this self-defeating behavior originated, how are we going to change it? We got to know a little bit about where it comes from, but we have to do more than that. We have to use the rest of the four aces along the way. And we'll talk about that. But having awareness gives us a lot of power because with that awareness comes the ability to change. Without the awareness, we're just kind of, you know, stumbling around, not knowing what we're trying to do or what we're trying to change. So it's empowering to see this awareness. It's empowering to see that we can make changes. And I want to share with you something that I think people, maybe have a misconception about it. It's like, when will this obsession with food go away? Or when will my guilt go away? Or when will I no longer struggle with this? I think that's different for each person, but I'm going to tell you in my personal experience that over my last 40, 45 years of dealing with this weight, body image, self, you know, all that stuff that it's never gone completely away. Now, Compared to where it was at different times in my life, it's got about 20% the power that it used to have over me. There was a time in my life many years ago where absolutely, probably 90% of my day was obsessed with the thoughts of food and exercise and dieting and grams and calories and all of those things. And I would become extraordinarily emotional and frantic about those things. today. Today, it's not that there aren't occasions when I eat things that, you know, in excess. Like this weekend, we made cookies. I rarely cook or bake, but this weekend, it was Valentine's Day. I made cookies for my grandchildren and I ate more cookies. I mean, I rarely eat cookies. So, you know, the fact that I ate several cookies over the course of the weekend is like, whoa. Now, back in the day, that would have sent me into craziness in my mind. You know what I did this weekend? Did a little extra exercise. I said, you know what? The grand scheme of things, it's not going to be an issue because 
I've had enough serenity and enough experience over the last 40 years to know that I'll go back to what I do and it will all level out. But that may not be where you're at today. The other thing is, you know, there are sometimes guilt and shame and fear associated with eating. There may be situations where the idea of food scares me or triggers me, or there may be days when I get a little caught up in how many calories was that? Or I don't even count calories, but on days when something else is going on, and this is going to be one of the ways to improve the relationship with food is being aware. If I'm focused on calories or if I'm focused on the size of my right thigh, which is a story I'll share with you, that's really an indication to me that there's something else going on here. This is no longer about that. It's a red flag to me to say, I'm turning to what I've turned to many times in the past. So I don't have to deal with something else going on in my life. So with that awareness, then I can say, all right, let's get a grip here. Is this really about food? No, it's not. What am I upset about? What's worrying me? What am I anxious about? And then I can really tune into what's going on with me. So if you think that this may one day be boop, gone, you know, if it does for you, more power to you. And for some people that does happen, it just is no longer an issue for them. But depending on where it came from for you, how long it's been a power in your life, you know, it may not ever go away completely, but it doesn't mean that you can't manage it. It doesn't mean that you can't develop a healthy relationship with food. It's kind of like expecting not to ever feel angry. We all feel angry. What matters is what we do with that anger. I used to be an explosive rager, right? Something made me mad. I was Well, I've learned that's not real appropriate. It doesn't help me and it certainly doesn't help the relationships in my life. So it's not that I don't get angry sometimes. And it's not that sometimes I don't want to go and really scream at everybody or just have a absolute fit. But what it does mean is I still have the intensity inside, but I've learned to be more appropriate with it. So maybe that's a good way for you to understand that these things are part of who we've become, but we can learn to deal with them in really appropriate ways. So in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about improving this relationship with food. Today, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about where did this relationship with food come from? If you've got a not so balanced or not so healthy relationship with food, whether it be the actual eating of the food or the way you think about food or the way you think about food and how it affects your body and you have body image issues, the whole thing, right? If it's not where you want it to be, we're going to talk today a little bit about where did this come from? For God's sake, where did this come from? And while I do that, I'm going to have a parallel discussion about relationships in our lives. I'm going to use myself as an example. And of course, my situation is not going to be the same as yours. It may overlap in some situations, in some circumstances. But let's just talk about this because I want you to think about your relationship with food and your relationships with people. At the same time. So where did, I'm going to talk about my marriage for a little bit, right? Neither my husband nor I came from the healthiest or the unhealthiest families. Our families were all, you know, both made of really nice people, good people, but neither set of our parents were very equipped to deal with relationships, their marriage in the healthiest ways. So for role models, we didn't have the healthiest relationships to base 
how to communicate with each other, how to talk about things openly, how to express anger appropriately. He shut down. I went blah, right? So those things didn't match. So a relationship, you know, in the, in the lovey-dovey early years, everything's fine and dandy. But as we got married and started to really know each other and grow together, we learned that we didn't know how to do this very well. Same with my relationship with food. As the eating disorder when I was in my late teens started a little earlier than that. But by the time I was in my late teens, early twenties, it was full force, right? It was, I was absolutely starving myself. I got down to 89 pounds in college. It was an extraordinarily unhealthy relationship with food. And as I was able to recognize that, I began to work on changing that as my husband and I began to recognize that we didn't have very good communication skills or we didn't have very good, you know, ways of talking about things openly. As that awareness grew, we we were able to learn to develop some skills to learn to do better. It involved counseling and a lot of therapy, but hey, that was, that's where we needed to go. So your development of a healthier relationship with food isn't just going to spring out naturally. You have to get more information. You have to gain awareness. You have to decide how you're going to be accountable for dealing with what you learn. You have to decide what your attitude is going to be about that. Are you going to have an open mind and say, you know what? This is a problem. Let me explore it a little bit. You know, are you going to put forth the energy and the effort required to do that? So you can eventually have a better relationship, not just with food, but with yourself in general. Heck yeah, go that route. And that's part of what this Berry Aftercare program is all about. But let's look at our childhood. And not that looking at our childhood is about blame. I am not at all about that. When I say look at the past, let's just look at where did I learn this? How's it affecting my life today? And if it's affecting my life today, then maybe I need to do something about it. I don't need to blame my mom or my dad. Like when I talk about my relationship, I'm not saying it's my parents' fault that I didn't know. Well, let me say that it's differently. It's not my parents' fault that I acted out in different ways. What I say is my parents were not equipped. So I have compassion for them. I have grace for them. They gave me what they knew to give me right? They couldn't give me more than they knew. But as I became an adult, I realized I needed more to have the kind of life I wanted. So then I, on my own, saw that it's not about blaming them, but it's saying it had an impact on me. Of course it did, right? Children don't go through things without it having an impact on them. Now, one of the ways outside of my relationships with like my husband or friends that my, my parents influenced my eating issues is my mother continually on a very regular basis commented on my weight, not just me, but there were five girls in my family. We had five girls, one boy, and it started at an early age. And my father would make comments about women's and women and their weight and their bodies. And so there was a learned attitude in my life about weight, about what a woman should look like and about what happens. My mother would say things like, you know, it's a lot easier to put on than it is to take off. Right. And when I'd go, when I went to college and I'd not see my family for, for months at a time, the first comment out of her mouth would be about my weight. 
about my appearance. And that continued until the year she died and I was 50 some years old, not kidding. So that was a huge outside influence, right? I grew up in the 60s and 70s, Twiggy, right? Everybody was stick thin. So that was another influence. And then like all of us, we have our peers, right? We compare ourselves. So there's all kinds of influences. How did your childhood, your, you know, the age, your generation, how did they deal with weight and food? So there you go. It's not about blaming, but it's looking at what impact has that had on me? Now, another thing to look at is what role does food play in my life as a child? Now, this is something that, you know, was not a negative thing in my life other than the comments about the weight. But, you know, we we ate breakfast, lunch, dinner. You know, there were occasional snacks, but it was never a big deal. You know, it was just this is what you have. This is what you eat. There were six people. This is only so much food. Um, That was never an issue for me. But what about you? Were you left alone after school? Was food a soothing thing for you? You know, you're home alone. You don't know what to do. You're watching TV. And so you ate snacks with that. Were abundant snacks made readily available to you? Did you, you know, go to grandma's and she fed you full of all kinds of crap? Who knows? I don't know. But what was that? How did you use food? Was it a source of soothing for you? Or was it a source of shame for you? Were you shamed when you ate snacks? Where did your current relationship with food come from? Because for those who have been on rigid diets, have restricted themselves from eating, you know, we've lost touch with, when am I hungry? What does my body tell me I need? Little children know those things, right? My grandkids are like, no, I don't want any more. Do you want, you know, a cookie? No, don't want that. They know, right? Unless it's being forced on them or we have an emotional reason to be eating another way. Or if you were deprived, you weren't allowed, which would be a parental issue, right? No snacks for you. You don't want to grow to be like aunt so-and-so. So maybe there was a deprivation feeling or maybe you were guilted, you know? What was that? Were you and are you continuing to eat to soothe yourself? Were you and are you continuing to hear your mother's voice? Were you and are you continuing to try to use food to fill a void or to deal with some other emotion? Like I say, sometimes at this time in my life, when I get a a food thing, I'll call it like, too focused on my weight or too focused on part of my body. It's not about that. It's a light bulb. It's an awareness that something else is going on. Or have you just had enough of dieting, right? Just like I am so over what the heck. But a lot of times it's really about losing those natural cues. I don't know when I'm hungry. I don't know when I'm full. I don't know. Is it time to eat? Is it not time to eat? Am I supposed to eat fat or am I not supposed to eat fat? There's a lot of confusion. And one other thing that I want you to consider is rebellion eating. So if food was completely, you know, snacks or sugar or whatever was completely off limits for you, maybe you do some rebellion eating or did when you left home. It's like, watch me now. You can't control what I eat now. So I'm going to be a little bit of a rebel. I think a lot more people do rebellion eating than they're aware of. And that's something 
to think about, you know, if you were really restricted or if there was huge portion control or certain foods were not allowed. I talked to a woman the other day and she's been in therapy for a long time. And I asked her about this because her dad always said, if you don't be careful, you're going to, you're going to gain a lot of weight. You're going to gain a lot of weight. You're going to gain a lot of weight. So what did she do? It was kind of like a silent F you dad. Watch me now. You know, it's like, I'll eat what I want. Oh yeah. I gained weight. How do you like me now, dad? Sort of like, you know, getting back at, and it's not serving you well, but it's something that people do subconsciously. So let's look at those things. So like my relationship with my husband, I had to learn. I had to implement the tools. I had to seek out additional resources. I had to have people give me feedback. Oh, we're having a thunderstorm. Maybe you can hear it. Um, It's just like that with our relationship with food. We have to have a pretty darn good understanding of what's going on. So I want you to really think about your relationship with food over the next week. And we're going to take a deeper look at this for the next couple of weeks, but I want to leave you with a few thoughts today. So I want you to start to understand, yeah, you're eating triggers. We've talked about that and we're going to talk a lot more about that. But I want you to look at, you know, where your relationship with food started and how did it come to be? And what is it like now? Is it better than it used to be? Is it worse than it used to be? Does this, how does this spill over into other parts of your life. And I'm going to leave you with a suggestion. And what I have found that this is one of the most powerful things that people I have worked with have done to discover what this relationship with food is about. And I will continue this conversation as we go forward. But I want you to write a letter to food. You may have done this before. Do it again. You may be at a different place in your relationship with food right now. But literally, Sit down and write a letter. I don't care if it's by hand or on your computer or you say it out loud to a friend or whatever. Write a letter to food that starts with dear food. And I want you to write this letter as though you were writing it to food as though it were a real person in your life. Talk about your relationship history. Talk about the highs, the lows, the goods, the bads, the things that have worked, the things that haven't worked and where you want it to go. You will learn so much not only about your relationship with food, but other relationships as well. And we will explore that in greater detail. And I think you'll be fascinated about what you learn. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. But I want you to remember, this is your life. This is your health. And it's your responsibility. Take what fits for you. Leave the rest. But do something for yourself in a positive way this day and every day. And I will see you soon. All right. Take care. Make it a great one. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Very Aftercare, the podcast. The information shared on this podcast is considered psychoeducation and does not constitute therapy or a therapeutic relationship. Be sure to check out all the great information I provide, much of it free, by visiting my website at www.conniestapletonphd.com. Be sure to leave your positive comments for this podcast and listen in next week to learn more ways to live your best post-op life.